0: there. This is Della Rucker, principal of the Wise Economy Workshop and author of The Local Economy Revolution Has Arrived, What's Changed, and How You Can Help. Welcome to a new series in the Building a Wise Local Economy podcast called Know Better, Do Better. In this series, we're going to have real conversations with minority and underrepresented entrepreneurs and small business founders about their unique experiences. We'll talk honestly about the challenges these founders face and how a lot of the things that the majority culture thinks are helpful really aren't. But we will also dig into the opportunities that these founders find and how they can create solutions that the rest of us couldn't imagine. The title of this series is taken from Maya Angelou's famous quote, Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. I wanted to do this series so that those of us who have some level of privilege And those of us who care about building diverse entrepreneurship and resilient local communities can better understand two things. One, the challenges that underrepresented entrepreneurs actually face, which are often different from what we actually think they are. And two, the kinds of opportunities that they may be able to see and find and capitalize on that are different from what those of us who don't live in those cultures would be able to do. In the process, I hope that we who have these privileges learn how to have these conversations the right way in our communities. Too often we pull back or hide or ignore these issues because we think that talking about them will be uncomfortable or scary, that will expose our ignorance, our weakness, the biases that we all learned over our lives. And then sometimes we do try to do something, but we don't really understand what's needed. Or we participate in lip service or something that's mostly about making ourselves or someone else in power feel better. Or sometimes we simply fail to recognize that we're working from the wrong assumptions and from inadequate information. And when we do any of these things, we can make the situation worse instead of better. So I hope you'll come along with me on this adventure and learn with me how we can do better. This series is supported by the American Independent Business Alliance, which is building a strong local economy movement by supporting the growth and development of local business alliances. Learn more about Amoeba and its benefits at amoeba, A-M-I-B-A dot net. To start out this series, I am excited to share with you this conversation with my friend and someone I truly admire, Nahamani Israel. You'll hear more about Nahamani in a minute, there's no other way to say this. She kicks ass. Don't forget to subscribe to Building a Wise Local Economy on your favorite podcast platform. And check out wiseeconomy.com or at Della Rucker on most standard social media platforms to learn more. Thanks. Go get them. joining us today. I'm Della Rucker of the Wise Economy Workshop and author of the book The Local Economy Revolution Has Arrived, What's Changed and How You Can Help. I am so excited to be doing this today. Not only do I get to be out of my office and be in a real place where a hundred million tons of rain are currently falling on our heads, <laughs> but we, we are at um, already Coffee and Cafe in Sharonville, Ohio, one of my favorite coffee shops. And wonderful, lovely place. If you're in greater Cincinnati, check it out. And I am here with my wonderful friend, Nahamani Yisrael, who I am hey. so excited to get to spend some time with because Nahamani is one of, well, there's two reasons. One is that Nahamani is incredibly accomplished it what she's been able to do is just it just blows my mind and things i learned recently today about what she's working on were even more like oh my god really you know bow 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 um in addition to that nahamani is just she's one of these people who just radiates happiness and love and, and Every time I see her, I just feel like I'm going to just just grin and be all happy for like the next 24 hours. And it's just the, her existence. I'm going to scooch this over just a skosh so that you get a much better okay. view of her, her incredible loveliness. She's also, she's got the dopest hair of anybody I've ever met. <laughs> I mean, it's like, wow. <laughs> well, we're here today. I'm, I'm, I'm starting kind of um, a little silly. But we're here today to talk about some fairly serious questions. We're gonna try to do it as lighthearted and as friendly as we possibly can. But one of the things that's become apparent, especially to me over the last few years, is that we don't, we who are, who have grown up white, who have grown up in the white, in predominantly white communities and cultures, we may have very good intentions, especially when it comes to helping entrepreneurs of color. And very often we don't, we don't really, we don't really get it. We don't really understand the, uh, the unique challenges that they're facing and also the opportunities that they can see and that they can access that those of us who are, you know, you might say in the majority culture, at least for the moment, um, I keep talking about the new majority with another project I'm doing, um, I ain't going to be the majority for long. Nahamani has not only built an incredible practice here in Cincinnati where she is doing astonishing work. I just thought astonishing, that's probably not the right word because we knew you were going to be you know all kinds <laughs> of wicked good but she's built a hellacious practice here in Cincinnati and she's also working very closely and very intently with black founders and founders of color who are both clients and people who are learning from her through a program called ice house that she is the lead trainer for at the greater Cincinnati Microenterprise initiative and you've heard me talk about that before. I'm on the board of directors. Um, we've interviewed Willie here before, who's the executive director. But Nahamani, I think, is really the brains behind the operation. Because she's not only running, running Ice House, but she's also running the social media, which, you know, that's important. So Nahamani, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to come over here and be with me and absolutely I, it's, it's been just, too long to be together oh and she was the first person no the, the last, last the last <laughs> we were talking about this before she was the last person that I, that we were both the last people that
1: each other had, this we i mean to say we got to go out to lunch right before the shutdown what so she said it was early in covid and there was news and there was information about like this is coming. Yeah. And we're like, okay, so do we want to do this? We're like, yeah, we're going to go and have yeah, lunch. Yeah. And we went and had lunch. And then like three days later, the governor was like, no one else gets to go out and have fun anymore. Ain't nothing <laughs> going to happen now. And you and I sat
0: there at the table kind of going, because it was empty, too, the restaurant mm-hmm. we were in. Yep. And we kind of sat there and went, this is really weird.
1: This is really weird. Something's I, happening. Something new. And then
0: three days later, it was everything. Okay. Of course, everybody remembers how how fast all of that kind of came to visibility for most of us.
1: So, so but, thank so, you for asking me oh to honey. do this. I'm, I would, I'm honored to oh do good. this. And share my story and share, you know, what I've learned yeah. in this journey. Um, and hopefully it will inspire someone else to totally. take the journey into entrepreneurship. It's been a ride. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> um, there's been ups and downs, but it's definitely been worth it. I, I don't regret any moment of it. Good,
0: good. So, so... Tell us a little bit about how you came into being an entrepreneur yourself. Okay. Because very often people who grow up in the black community anymore, um, you know, we we sort of made it used to be that you there were a lot of black entrepreneurs, and then over the course of the 20th century, um, a lot of policy and political and social issues sort of put a squash on a lot of that. So, the fact that you had an entrepreneurial meaning from the beginning, I think is, or at least from as early as I've known you, is... I started my pretty business, I
1: was 12. <gasps> Get out, so, no way! as you mentioned, um, early on, I had exposure to entrepreneurship. My okay. grandfather had his own practice, um, in the Provident Bank building downtown. Oh, cool. um, so well, he the, was a,
0: a, a doctor? He was a consultant.
1: Um, okay. So he was a human rights consultant. Oh, cool. uh, He spearheaded things that we know today, like the magnet school program. Yeah. Um, he was very adamant and very um, involved in making sure that any state contract had minority inclusion. So oh. these are just projects. I mean, and I knew him as Papa. <laughs> at that age and that stage, I didn't really know the yeah. impact of what he was doing and how that was going to change the future for everyone. Yeah. Um, wow. So um, during the summer, we would go down like Fridays and have lunch and spend time at the office. And I would mostly play with the coffee machine. Um, <laughs> that was that was a big thing back then. I did then. that. I did that I, at my, I did that in my father's company. I had too. Hundreds of copies of my hand. <laughs> Um, but for me, I didn't realize that he was planting a seed, Ooh. and he made sure that I knew it was possible for me to have my own business and to be successful, independent of you know having a career and what's going on around me. That I could, there was always an opportunity there for me. So he planted that seed when I was very young. So at twelve, I started a babysitting business. Um, me and my best friend, and we had we infringed on somebody's right? I won't say the name of it, <laughs> but we had a babysitting business, and we did well. Um, And that was my first experience as an entrepreneur. I started my first official business, got my EIN number. I was 22 years old. Oh my God, you were a baby. I was, and I had a baby. My son was like a year and a half, he was a toddler. And I would take him with me, um, him, some blank paper, and some crayons to meetings. I, he, you know, I worked, he was wherever I I was, you know, it was he and I at the beginning. And everywhere I went, I took him with me. So I was a mom and an entrepreneur at the same time, and just Still learning and figuring out life, and boy, (laughs) was I learning
0: lots. So, and and, so that's fascinating because one thing that people very, I think we're more aware of the importance of quality child child care and and all of that anymore. Um, You know, I was in graduate school when my oldest son was a little bitty, Mm -hmm. and I can remember taking him to. I don't think I took him to classes because I was fortunate to have access to a decent childcare, but I can remember taking him to events and stuff because I I just kind of had to and that's a whole different way to try to run things it was hard enough to do that as a graduate student to do that and be trying to you know build a business and make a living at the same time
1: it's like holy Moses absolutely a lot it was a lot you know and there was lots of late nights and early mornings um, they tell you to sleep when the baby sleep well as an entrepreneur you got to work when the baby sleep <laughs> <'Cause laughs> that's the only time that you're gonna get to yeah. you know focus yeah. and dedicate um, to the work that you have to do so there was a lot of websites being cranked out at one two and three in the morning <laughs> so yeah because you were do you were doing digital design mm-hmm. at that even at that Yep. So I, I started doing website design in 2000. Okay. Um, and we did website design, graphic design. I even did some hosting. Ooh. Oh. Um, That's complicated. It is, and requires lots of tech support because yeah. then you're responsible for keeping servers running 24 hours a day. And that was a that was a lot more and
0: complicated back then.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, I had to have dedicated internet and yeah. all of those things and those things back then were hard to come by. Where today absolutely. you know we have Wi-Fi and we have a lot of things. You know, yeah. things are a lot easier. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I started twenty two years old, started my first company. Um, and, you know, we we were successful for many years. Um, we did get hit by the economic, shut, or the recession, recession a little early. And the 2008 that, recession. The 2008 yeah. recession, and that's one thing as a black entrepreneur. Sometimes when things of that scale and that nature happen, it happens to us a lot earlier. So, yeah. 2005, I was feeling it. Oh, seriously. 2005, I was feeling. I was, clients were shutting down and pulling back on what they were spending on their websites. This was after the dot-com yeah. bust bubble had burst, yeah. um, and I started feeling it and, and decided in late 2005 to actually go back into corporate and work there because I needed to provide for my family. Yeah. Um, so, 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 wait a second. So, so, the businesses
0: that you had pre-2005, mm-hmm. what kind of clients did you have at that point?
1: Um, I had clients of various different types, um, videographers, uh, people that were creating cellulose insulation and products out of cellulose insulation. Um, I had a company in Phoenix, Arizona, they were using recycled denim in insulation. Um, I was working with a client in 2001 that was located in the North Tower of the World Trade Center. It was a financial investment client. And we had just built this really cool financial analysis tool Uh in, like, July of 2001. (gasps) I was um, pregnant with my daughter, Uh so I had her in late August. So Uh after the tool was built, I took some time off and had my daughter. She was 12 days old when 9-11 happened. And I had not yet been paid for my
0: services.
1: (laughs) So I woke up and found out what was going on and, you know, was so worried that, you know, they had gotten caught up in you know yeah. this terrible tragedy um and fortunately all of the owners and leadership people that i had been working with came to work a little later than eight forty-five, which is when the plane hit yeah um so they survived but uh-huh. it was probably a good six to nine months before they relocated to jersey and i was able to collect some, some of what i had put into that work some of some of some of
0: yep <laughs> and i think one thing that's that's important to keep in mind, and I don't know if this applies to you specifically, but it's so often the case. So you mentioned that um, the black business owners and black owned businesses tend to um, sort of feel a, an economic downturn. You said early, and I, al- I would also think more severely. I think we certainly saw that with COVID. Absolutely. But part of the reason for that is because, you know, we... We're, we've got good documentation in the U.S. about what the wealth gap looks like. Mm-hmm. And you know, for, for me, when I've had rough years, um, my family was not very wealthy, but I was fortunate to marry into a family that had some good economic stability. So by the time we hit rough patches around 2008 and then around the beginning of COVID and etc, you know. As a family, we had some some economic stability. I would not have had that when I was 18. But, what, you know, by the time those things happened, you know, I, I had that blessing. Demographically, statistically, black business owners are much less likely to have that cushion to fall back
1: on. Absolutely.
0: And especially if you're raising two little kids and you're having to take them to meetings. Right. You're 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 not working from a position of being like, yeah, you could take nine months to pay that bill. Yeah, I know the building just fell down on you. Take your time. It'll be fine. I mean, you're sitting there going like, not. How am I need- going to
1: buy diapers for this new <laughs> little human being, um, and you know, be able to put food on the table. Um, it was yeah. sc- it was some scary times. Oh my gosh. It it really was. Yeah. And you said it, you're exactly right. I didn't have you know. The financial cushion to fall back on we often don't have you know the ability to borrow yeah and you know a, in a significant way yeah so that you know we're insulated from some of the things that are happening right. outside of us so when things start to happen and things start to recede you know then we feel it and it, it impacts our day-to-day life and how we live how we're able to you know Continue, and you need you need that revenue in order to grow the business. Yeah. So if you don't have that, you don't have that secure that extra safety net. It's harder to grow. It's Absolutely. harder to scale up. You Absolutely. Know? I, I was I, this round. I was very fortunate with COVID that the types of service offerings I have have been in high demand throughout the pandemic. But there were some scarce days, especially early on, when everybody was still trying to figure out things. Yeah, we were all kind you of know, sitting in the corner So doing even this. Cl- even clients that you know had. Even clients that had, you know, ordered things prior to COVID and, you know, uh-huh. and were, there were some of those that were like, hey, I'm going to need an extra 30 days to pay right. you. Or, hey, yeah. you know, I know I ordered this massive package and it was going to be big and great and grandiose. Well, you know, because of COVID, I can't actually use it. Um, so there was some, some revenue loss there early on. Um, but, you know, that was... Fortune, like I said, fortunately, everybody also recognized that during the COVID, we had to communicate digitally. Yeah. So there was also some people that had said, oh yeah, my website needs to be updated for years and years and years. And they're like, oh my God, I got to update my website like <laughs> right now.
0: Oh, <laughs> right. No. So I, I think we launched into your story without truly explaining
1: what your company does. Awesome. So yeah. let's, let's make sure that we make that okay. clear first. So, Nahamani.org is a digital communications company. Um, we help organizations and leaders of nonprofits and business owners communicate their value using digital marketing. So, we do that through website design and development, social media marketing, and then we also leverage our media relationships to help those clients get media coverage. So everything today is digital, especially in the world of the media. Um, so we are always trying to put out good content for them so that their target audience understands how they bring value to the, to the, to the table.
0: You just said a great phrase and I wanna make sure it doesn't get lost in the silverware, <laughs> um, which they're gonna to continue to whack on here for a minute.
1: But say that last sentence again. So with everything being digital, we want to make sure that their target audience gets to understands how they bring value to the table. That's, so, that's crucial. It really is. Um, you know, because we all have, we're all doing, my clients are doing some amazing work. I have clients doing great social causes and helping people with illnesses. I have clients that are, you know, retailers and trying to sell products in a way that gives back to the community or that feeds into someone's personal development. Um, and, you know, but they're busy running their business and yeah. they don't always have the ability to be able to communicate that out. You know what I mean? They're, they're in the trenches and they're, you know, <laughs> they're putting stamps on envelopes and they're shipping, pa- they're running to the post office to ship packages. So my team and I, what we do is we help make sure their social media content stays up to date and that we're talking about the right things at the right times, you know, and, you know, so much that's been going on. There's some really important conversations that need to be had, yeah. and we can start some of those conversations on social media. Now, I do believe that those conversations can start there, but then they grow into real-world interactions. So, you know, if, even if it, if we're talking about you know starting and growing a business, it's great to start that conversation online. But then, how can we bring that into the real world and put some support behind people that are really trying to make something happen?
0: So, how do you do that? And, and again I w- I want to come back to this core topic that not only is that incredibly awesome that you can do that for for your clients but that it's it's so important especially again for businesses that maybe don't have as much natural reach as um, as as you know the target or whatever um, and so I, I want to I pursue that a little bit and then I also want to ask about including those kind of conversations in marketing, in that social media and real world. So first, what does it mean to take it beyond social media and then the second question is you're going to have serious conversations about serious issues, Absolutely. and you're going to start it in social media Absolutely. for a business or an organization that needs to get money from people. So I'm asking you two questions, of okay. what, which is totally not fair. <laughs>
1: That's okay. <laughs> I knew you could pull. I knew you could do So taking those conversations and starting them on social media, I believe that people do business with people. Mm -hmm. So although, you know, your social media, you have a social media handle and your logo and your branding, there is a human being behind that. So making, giving the people on the receiving end an opportunity to interact with that person, you know, whether it's come out and meet with us at a function or a workshop that we're having or be involved in, you know, I I work with Sickle Cell Alliance Foundation. They're doing a, a sickle cell walk and they're doing things where people can come and be a part of this movement. And we are, we are talking about some, we're having some difficult conversations Mm -hmm. and we're starting them on social and we're, you know, giving people a chance to voice their opinion and their side of things. And then we're giving people some meaningful and tangible things that they can do to help enact change because change doesn't just happen in a bubble it doesn't just you know we can talk about it on social media but the real work exists out here in the real world and we need those people to come together and use their resources to make some change happen and it doesn't really matter the number of followers that a person has but what matters is that they are showing up in a true and authentic way people resonate to that people are drawn to real people who are talking about real things And it's not always those picture-perfect, influence, model, everything's flawless types of things that draw people. It's those moments of vulnerability, those moments of I have no clue what's going on outside because, you know, we're stuck in the house for a pandemic, but this is how I I think we can make something happen. And then someone else will add to the conversation and then someone else will spark an idea. And before you know it, people from all, all over the world are putting their resources together and they're really doing some powerful stuff. That's
0: fabulous. It is. That
1: is. It gets me out of the bed. My alarm clock goes off usually twenty minutes after I'm up in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. It wakes me oh. up <laughs> in the morning. I'm like, what are we? What are we working on today? What do I get to work on today? Okay. I love what I do, but I ain't never gotten up ahead <laughs> of my alarm clock. I think look, I was like sick or something. I am up uh, usually, and usually I have to go find my phone because it's making that annoying noise. Uh Uh, So I'm like, where is my phone? And by that time, I'm already up. I'm already, you know, trying to figure things out, strategizing. I do have a whiteboard, as you mentioned. I spend Uh a lot of time with Whitney Hill. So I do have a whiteboard at home. (laughs) Okay, so so that's a little inside ball.
0: Um, One of the things that is, like, endemic. With Willie, is that everything involves a whiteboard session? There's a whiteboard in his office. He turned one whole
1: wall into a whiteboard yes. in his office. Yes. <laughs> and, and uses every inch. Because he's, he's also very tall. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what, 6'4, six, 6'5? Six, six, he he's six, huge. Four. You don't mm-hmm.
0: get that from the video that we did because it was on Zoom, but he's he's a mountain. He's a big dude. Yep. But, um, oh my God, that's so funny, though. So, you also through which since we brought up willie you are also teaching and and coaching and facilitating a new generation of underrepresented entrepreneurs absolutely through the ice house training that's done by gcmi she also handles like i think i said this before but she also handles all of gcmi's social media so
1: all the good stuff that goes up there it's her and her team she's got yes. a great team I do have a great team. so um, well yeah Ice House is we have two right now uh, courses going on so yeah. in the evenings we're teaching adult learners and a lot of these are people low to moderate income you know they're working like I was just to put food on the table yeah. but they have a dream they have a vision and they want to see it come to fruition So we use this mindset training to help them think differently about their business and come up with something that is really adding value to society, solving a problem for someone else and making an opportunity for themselves. So we have since adapted that curriculum and we are also working with teen entrepreneurs. So we take high school seniors and recent graduates through the Ice House curriculum. Oh, cool. Um, and in addition to the Ice House and the mindset training piece, we do career exploration with them, and we teach them technical skills. So we teach them how to create their own Zoom account and set up meetings and post meetings. We teach them about LinkedIn, because as you know, I love LinkedIn. Uh, we teach them- She's a master We oh, teach them like how that. to like, use like things like Trello for project management. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. Google, the whole Google Suites, forms, calendars, these young people have never sent out a calendar invite, and that is one of the hardest things to enforce in them. Like, okay, I've taught you how to do this. Now you get to actually use it, and. You know, when they leave the program they've got a resume that not only they've interned with G School Greatest the same microenterprise initiative, but they know how to use these technical skills. So think about how weird and awkward we were in the beginning of COVID. Like what I gotta do is everything on Zoom, every we were doing everything on Zoom. Yeah. They went into the workforce already having those skill sets and already knowing how to master those technologies. Absolutely. So it makes them so much more employable. Yeah. Um, and for those that are really interested in starting their own business, we're there supporting them. We're coaching them. We're giving them all the tools, connecting them with resources so that they can start off strong, yeah. you know, because, they, like you said, they are coming from a disadvantage, you know, and I feel terribly, you know, for the class of 2020 and the class of 2021, you know, their senior years were totally uprooted. Oh, yeah. They lost that social interaction, yeah. they lost a lot of, you know, prom, and 2020 didn't even really get a graduation. <laughs> they got, come no. pick up your diploma, and you can take a picture by that sign, and that was it.
0: That's my, my younger son, his class of 2020. And yes. yeah, it was, you know, if it weren't for the fact that I would had an older child, I, I would hardly know what graduation looks like, you know, in the modern era, like not when I was graduating. Right. Because so. his was so so different.
1: And they're dealing with challenges at home, you mm-hmm. know, and you know, we d- we facilitate a lot of the classes through Zoom. And you know, they're dealing with, you know, they're at home with their families. They're still living at home. They don't have, you know, a private office where they can go in and yeah. everything can be picture perfect. But they're, you know, and some of their family lives aren't that You know, there's some sad stories that we get yeah, to hear, yeah. um, and just giving them some hope and planting that seed in them that you too can be successful. Yeah. If you're willing to put in the work and you're willing to get up early in the morning and work late into the evenings and r- grind it out, then yeah. your success is right there and it's there yeah. for you. So, I so, love so, what we do. Oh, I Wonderful. Do. I do. <laughs>
0: wonderful. So, tell us a little bit about what, um, what Ice House is. Because some folks will be familiar with that, but a lot of them maybe have never heard that before.
1: Okay. So the Ice House Entrepreneurship Program, it is a story based off of a real-world entrepreneur, Clifton Talbert, and his uncle Cleve. So his uncle Cleve was, he he owned an Ice House in the 1950s in the Mississippi Delta. Um, As a black entrepreneur in Mississippi. He made an opportunity for himself because there weren't many opportunities. There were like no. He was the only business owner,
0: other than one person who ran a little shop that sold, um, like had a jukebox and sold drinks to, mm-hmm. to the the local black population. He was the only business owner and the only one who did business with white people. Wow. Yeah. 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 So
1: I mean, back then your options were to go into sharecropping. Yep. Or, you know, and so Uncle Cleve said, that's not for me. And he mm-hmm. made sure that Clifton had those opportunities. So Clifton was about 13 yep. when Uncle Cleve took him under his wing and he taught him eight principles of an unlikely entrepreneur. And he impl- he pl- implanted these. And it wasn't like he said, okay, lesson number one, which yeah. is how, you know, it comes across today. But these were, he, he taught him this through his actions. Yeah. You know, showing up early, showing up on time, being a person of your word. You know, when we teach about branding in Ice House, we don't talk about logo design and font colors and all of that. We talk about your reputation and making sure that you are doing what you said you could do in a way that solves problems for someone else. Yeah. So Ice House is a great curriculum um, because it's, they interviewed about 300 successful entrepreneurs, um, and their stories started to sound similar. Like okay, in the same lessons that they learned through their entrepreneurial journey, they aligned with Clifton's entrepreneurial journey. So we're we're teaching those lessons to these young people and to yeah. these adults, um, and giving them that information as they go out and build their build the foundation for their companies. Yeah. And we're watching our Ice House entrepreneurs do some amazing things. Oh, cool. They are doing some great. They're you know showing up big and they're solving problems, and they're they're never you know they're that power of persistence. They are showing their persistence, their perseverance, and tenacity mm-hmm. in everything that they do. Oh
0: man, yeah. I adore that program, and I adored it from like the first time I encountered it. Um, and I didn't think I know. I don't think I knew what a mindset was before I encountered that program. So that was fabulous. So we've spent a fair amount of time talking about challenges and limitations, mm-hmm. but there's some hellacious amazing things that these entrepreneurs that we've been talking about, um, who, I'm going to speak this over a little bit, It keeps swinging, I don't know why. Um, there's some amazing things that these entrepreneurs can do. So let's talk about that a little bit. What do you see when you see black-led businesses, black entrepreneurs, and people of color, people who have been underrepresented, and they move into these, you know, move into these initiatives and... They're making, as you said, you, you just said a great phrase. Like, they're making, wasn't making big things happen. It was something, like, better sounding than that.
1: I don't recall exactly what I said, but they are. <laughs> just cho- rewind. <laughs> they are or showing just, up in an amazing way. There you go. That was, that, not there, not there. So I think, you know, with the black experience, you mm-hmm. know, some of these people are, you know, we're, as a culture, we are very creative. We are great at making something out of nothing or something that general society has said it's trash and it doesn't have value we will turn that into something great you think about collard greens. that's a great example of black ingenuity um it it was something that was scrapped and the the white uh plantation owners didn't consider that to have value so we took it we added some seasonings and some ham hocks and all of those things and we turned it into something that is highly desired to that but if you think about the origin it was we were taking something that someone else didn't want and making something great out of it and I see that still in our black communities in entrepreneurship you know a lot of them are having to start without any financial support so they're having to figure out ways to come up with what we call the minimal viable product so it's something what can you deliver and how can you solve this problem in a way that you know you don't have to have thousands of you know investors behind you You know and and they're able to do it i mean a lot of these businesses are starting in the home or in the public library or you know what i mean they are figured out ways to make things happen without having the resources that you know our textbooks tell us that you have to have yeah in order to start a business you must have a brick and mortar you must have a staff you must have you know investors funding
0: for six months yes and uh (laughs) uh, Fourteen different social media outlets, and of course you must have, you know, and of course you should talk talk to Nahamani to get that stuff.
1: Absolutely. But But they they are doing great things, and they're making it happen once they, you know, once they break into whatever industry they're in, they're going into, they're using their relationships, they're using their sweat equity, and they're using their talents to really make... Products and services that people want, need and desire. People are seeking out these things. Like, yeah, how can I get this? How can I find some collard greens? If you can find some good collard greens, you're going back. It's a it's it's a given. So, you know, it's it's basically. And they seriously are good. If, yes. If you're a <laughs>
0: if you're a northerner and you're like
1: No, seriously the good ones are like You, oh you my gotta God. get some good ones and yeah. they have to be well seasoned and they have to, yeah. you know, be cooked. Seasoning for is perfect. Days at a time, I can remember cooking <laughs> collard greens Seriously? like two or three days before Thanksgiving. They're they're in a pot going, the whole well, house. That's how you get them to be that mm-hmm. like that. You got and you can't go too fast because then they'll turn into mush. But yeah, you, but you, yeah. So there there is, but it, there's a formula, and okay. you know we are really great at you know finding out the formula and then adding to it and modifying it. And the same with business, you know, yeah. they're they're figuring out how to use all these different free technologies i mean social media is a great tool because you know most people can start a social media account without having a marketing budget yeah you know and as your business grows then you definitely need to call Nahamani. <laughs> but you can get started today you can bootstrap your way into business uh-huh. using all of these different tools and techniques and they're make, they're showing up big they're doing great things oh man they are being yeah. consistent you know that yeah. is a big part of being successful is you know having that consistency and making Mm -hmm. sure that Mm -hmm. you know you aren't just um you know making sure that you are doing what you're supposed to be doing on a regular consistent basis yeah you know and and people can depend on you people can rely on you yeah if you say you're going to do something make sure you show up and do it oh yeah
0: yeah so i really i really do think that that's one of those underused opportunities that if you've got like a, like a piece of your local, where you're like, I need somebody, somebody should be doing X in this community. Dollar for dollar, bang for bang, all other things being equal, if you find a, an underrepresented entrepreneur who's got the knowledge and the expertise and the the grit to make it happen, you might very well get a certainly a more unique approach absolutely then you would
1: get from you know another person who's got the same background as every other business owner yeah it's not cookie cutter because yeah we've had had to create something where we didn't have all the resources so now we have the formula we have the, the essence of doing it so we're not creating cookie cutter yeah stuff we're making stuff that that really has some substance and some some you know grit to it um, and, you know, so de- definitely if you've got local underrepresented people in your community that are out there putting together products and services, definitely give them an opportunity to service your business, your home, however you can support them. You know, that's what allyship should look like. Yeah. You know, really supporting people that have, you know, brought something of value to the table. We're not saying to go out and, you know, buy crap. But go out and support these people and and find out. We can buy crap anywhere. Yes, Yes, we we can. can. (laughs) Any flea market. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, definitely support their their dreams. You're helping them put food on the table. You're helping them create opportunities for others, you know, that that don't have the opportunity. That's the best part about my business. You know, I love what I do. I love the work that I do. But now I have a team. So now I'm responsible for my team. So I have five content well, I have three content creators and two website developers that I'm responsible for their livelihood. Yeah. So it makes me work that much harder and that much smarter to make sure that I can help support them. And you know what I mean. So when you're giving someone a small business owner an opportunity, you're not just helping them; you're helping them make opportunities for others.
0: And you're you are really unique now in that you are employing others because that's often not something that even really incredibly good black business owners get to do. So that's a huge testament to you. But that's also, you know, really a growth opportunity. So if you've got local underrepresented entrepreneurs who are able to go to the next level, helping them to get to the next level, whether it's funding or it's um, maybe more technical training. um, Or just opening
1: doors and providing resources, you know introductions go a long way and relationships are so are super valuable and you can never you know give them enough credit for how they help us get navigate these scary times Amen. So, yeah Amen. so open doors introduce people um, let people know about the resources that are in your community don't keep them a secret
0: <laughs> do not keep them a secret that would be the the so the place where we are is starting to close up so I think uh we we should probably go ahead and wrap it up um but i could sit and talk to you all day i know i, I would could love that. so do that and i think sometimes we come closer to that than we probably should have <laughs> but not today not today because we're going to get kicked out into the rain and then you know it, it's friday afternoon so
1: yay we here. made it it's a friday Woo. <laughs> Woo. i don't know whether we were fist bumping or hands slapping there well we were celebrating that is we were for sure celebrating. <laughs> yeah that's that's what we got going on yes here. but uh yeah so this is a great conversation oh, thank so you so glad. much for having this platform and making you know having these tough conversations because there are they we need to have them and we need yeah. to like we're doing sit at a table and have the the, the the tough conversations and come up with some solutions yeah. there are some solutions there's a solution for every Mm -hmm. problem, so
0: it's. And one thing that I've been saying for years, and I kind of said this earlier in this broadcast, is I am always, so I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. I have been around entrepreneurs all of my adult life. People who are coming from a non-privileged background, Mm -hmm. what they bring, to a business, that unique perspective, the ability to find a market that other people might have overlooked, the ability to to speak in an authentic voice that stands out from everybody else. I mean, after all of these years, I'm still trying to find my authentic voice. It's hard. And yet, I see such amazing things that come from these, you know, entrepreneurs that a lot of times people haven't really given a decent chance to. You know? Sure. I don't necessarily want to call them underrepresented. Maybe it's under-resourced. Maybe it's untapped potential. I like that. I think it's, I think I it's untapped it. potential. Yes. Because that changes the whole equation. You, There's something so unique in the approach. And it's hard to define and of course I'm talking in generalities. But pretty freaking amazing stuff. So do you have any last words of advice for for folks who are basically trying to make their community better whether it's through an independent business alliance working with independent business owners or main streets or urban planners economic developers any parting words of
1: advice for well, these I, th- folks? I think that all of those individuals that you just named you know there is a place and you there is work that needs to be done don't shy away from the hard work. You know, we all enjoy the fun times and getting to sit back and laugh and talk with people that we But have those tough conversations, roll up your sleeves and be willing to put in the work that it's gonna take for all of us to, to help level that playing field, to help open doors and to help provide, you know, opportunities for others. So if you are looking to better your community, you know, Pull back some of those layers and see what resources are out there in your community that people just aren't... You don't always go for, you know, and, and that happens a lot, you know, in allyship. You know, everybody will gravitate to that one black business that everybody's talking about and yeah. has all... Where are the businesses that everybody's not talking about? And how right. can we support them? And how can we find them? And how can we, you know, rally behind them and make life a little bit easier for them? That's a, that's
0: a crucial it, piece. Yeah, it happens you know. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and, and unfortunately, I feel like sometimes... So, so there's a two-edged sword. I mean, there's there's two ways that that situation you just described goes goes bad. One is that other people who should have the attention are getting it, but that also can often set up the 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 business owner who everybody's
1: gravitating to. It can set them up for failure.
0: Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I know you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I do. It, but I know what
1: I mean. Yeah, because you know, if it's not organic growth, if it's kind of that falsely infused growth, what do you do when that falsely infused growth goes somewhere else? When it's trendy, what do you do when the trend shifts and then you look up and you know where you had 40 people standing in line to support you and now you're not trendy anymore? How are you going to make the? How are you going to make ends meet? How are you going to do this? Yeah. And you know, they they may not be. Creating those those pathways because they see the, the lines, yeah. Um, and then they look up one day and the lines aren't there. And then yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs>
0: so if you take one thing away from this, it is well, number one, if you need social media um, experiences, um, we do brand
1: coaching. Brand coaching. Um, we do we do all types of digital media, website design, social media, public relations. Definitely reach out to Nahamani.org um, I'm very approachable, so, you know, you can find me on social she, she media. Just, she just looks like such a, you know. <laughs> but. I'm super approachable. People text me, call me, inbox me. Um, and I'm like, I'm open to it. Let's have these conversations. Let's talk about how we can support your business, get the word out there about the events that you're doing and the work that you're putting in. We want to, we want to see you succeed. So your success helps us be successful and provide more opportunities for others. So check me out. My website is .dot o r g, And I'm at Manage Sensei on most social media platforms.
0: Manage, Cincy. Manage, Cincy. Manage,
1: yep. Cincy. Manage so Cincy. we've
0: now found the new, you know, mayor of Cincinnati. I guess <laughs>
1: not yet. She's, she's like, oh, I don't want that job right now, honey. You know what's going on, right? The political climate in Cincinnati
0: is is crazy. But... No, let's not. Let's not. We need you to be doing other good stuff right now. Absolutely, and I'm here for it. <laughs> All right,
1: thank you so much. Thank you, Darwin. darling. Oh.
0: I'm so glad to see you. I am too, that was fun. Good deal. All right, take care everybody. See you guys. Bye. Bye.